today on It's Time. And and this is one of the things that we have to grasp as Christians to realize that God has a way of healing us. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. is just to receive the gift that God's given us. The Bible talks about being clothed in his righteousness. That means wrapping his righteousness around you. What does that imply? There's no righteousness in ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to wrap something around us. So what does that tell you? It tells you that our righteousness is not of ourselves. It's something that is given to us. How do we receive any gift? The Bible says the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we receive any gift? How do we do that? You take it. (laughs) If somebody gives you something and you don't take it, then really it's not yours. If somebody offers you $100 and you don't take it, do you have the $100? Not necessarily. At least it's not on your person. Well, it's the same way it is with Christ and faith. God offers us eternal life, but it's only ours if we take it. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world. He gave his life for everyone, but not everyone wants to receive that. So it's not then by works of righteousness, lest any man would boast, the Bible says. It is by a divine movement of his Holy Spirit that allows you and me to go to heaven in faith. I like that. What did I do to earn eternal life? Nothing. Would you and me ever be good enough to go to heaven? Nope. Why? Well, because the Bible said it's not within man in all of us to live righteously. What is it saying? We're all rascals by nature. So how does that change? Well, the Bible says we put on his righteousness. You might say God then speaks to us. See, back in the garden, a lot of bad things happened. A lot of good things happened, but then a lot of bad things happened. The good things was God put man and Eve in a beautiful place. The Bible says they refused to listen to God. And communication between God and man was broken. All of a sudden, we weren't seeing the world the way God wanted us to see it anymore. And the Bible says it's not until we're born again by his spirit that we are then in right relationship with God. And once we're back in right relationship with God again... Then what happens, God speaks to us. And we start seeing the world through his eyes. And oh, what a surprise that is. You know, one of the things you'll notice when you become born again, you look at the world through God's eyes, and all of a sudden you realize how goofy this world is. Self-centered, egotistical, people living for themselves. You begin to realize that God's got a better way for us to live. So, he tells us here, there is no salvation in any other. Well, I just thought as long as you believed something and believed it really strong, that was good enough. No. 
You can believe wrong. And you know what happens when you believe wrong? Your belief system affects your value system. Ever notice that? What you believe is how you live your life. If you believe that life is cheap, in fact, if you believe that life is simply a higher form of a slug, in other words, it traded up through evolution, (laughs) you're not going to value life very much. But on the other hand, if you recognize that we were created in God's image, and even though oftentimes people don't live that way, nevertheless, we were created in God's image, in his likeness. You're going to have a greater respect for life than you do if you believe that we're a cosmic accident. See, so what you believe is how you live your life. Now, he tells us that there's no other name under heaven in which man can be saved. So it's in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of religion, not in the name of faith, anything. It's in the name of Jesus that we're saved. People say, well, I don't happen to believe that. Okay, you have your option to do that. But where does that then leave you? Well, I just believe that, um, you know, uh, you got to earn your salvation. So you see people wearing themselves out trying to earn something that God gives them for free. You see them always, you know, and there's something within us. Have you ever noticed in religions how they're always trying to appease God? Because it's funny, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it said God has put eternity in men's hearts. And if there's an eternity, then there's something out there. I might not know what it is, but I, I, I know that there's something out there. In the words of Three Dog Night, you remember that old song, when you listen to your oldies radio? I swear there is no heaven and I pray there ain't no hell. Well, what kind of philosophy is that? Talk about being imbalanced. You see, God has revealed to us what life and what eternity is. And so by believing wrong, we may jeopardize not only our life here on this earth, but our eternity as well. So he says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no name under heaven given among men which by by what we must be saved. Now, verse 13 is neat. I like this. Because this applies to you and me. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. What makes you so smart? Couldn't figure it out. See, that's one of the things that we, as we've been looking at the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. We've looked at the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the proper use of the gifts in the church in 1 Corinthians 14. We see other places in the Bible where it talks about the use of the gifts of the Spirit in the church and in our personal lives. We see in the Old Testament how the Holy Spirit would move on the different prophets of God, Elijah and Elisha and these others. So we know that the Holy Spirit's been around for a long time doing all kinds of amazing things in people's lives. But one of the things it tells us here is that people notice the Holy Spirit in you. And they recognize that it's a supernatural infusion of God's wisdom, heart and life in you. I think that's why a lot of times people get so jealous of people who love God. 
Because they recognize that you're not seeing it the way the world sees it. You see, we see life through God's eyes. Big, big change. I mean, when you before you were a Christian, you what you see is what you get. When you're a Christian, you, you see and you go, oh, there's a whole lot more here that's going on. Well, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. You put Jesus in your life, you're not going to be the way you were before. You know, you ain't nobody's fool. Don't be living like that. You're a child of the king, live like one. You see, a lot of times we don't think about those kinds of things. How we perceive life, how you live life, is not only the life you live, but it's also seen by others. Other people see your lifestyle. And that doesn't mean, friends, that we always live perfectly because we have great examples all the way through the Bible, Old Testament and New, people who love God that were filled with the Spirit that didn't always walk the way they should. What I like about that is God didn't throw them out. God just called people that are living like that into repentance and then God turns around and blesses them just like he was blessing them before. So if you find your life not where it should be in Christ tonight, you just say, Lord, forgive me. Let's go on. And the Bible tells us God's restorative power. God is the best at what he does in the entire universe. And that is to fix us. Now you think about how complicated you and me is. Is that right? You and me are. No, I like the other. You and me is. Because R speaks of a past tense. You think you and me is speaks of us the way we is right now. Think about that for a minute. Complex. We're a complex people. Do you, realize you're a, do you realize you're a composite of every experience you've ever gone through in your life? And nobody has gone through what you have. Well, Mike, you don't understand. i got a twin sister. Doesn't matter. Your experiences are unique to you. Now, that's kind of interesting to me. Because being, we're a composite of all these things that happen, that tells us how complex we are. You wonder why people have certain tendencies towards one thing over another? You don't think certain events have affected the way you perceive life in your life? Maybe you've been burned badly by a lover. Maybe you've been hurt by a friend. Maybe you... Grew up in a home that you didn't have good role models. You didn't, you don't really know what a good mom is or a good dad is. You don't think that those events affect the way you perceive life? They do. And, and this is one of the things that, that we have to grasp as Christians and especially to realize that God is, a, has a way of healing us and correcting those things when we continue in Him. Now there's a real, um, compelling, you might say, in the New Testament, in the in the in the Gospels, uh, or maybe I should say in the Epistles, that once we began in Christ, we need to continue in Christ. Why is that? Because I believe, and you can examine this on your own to see that it's true or not, that when we walk in Christ, the way we used to be gets farther and farther away from us, and we become more like Christ. Amen. 
But when we don't walk in Christ, what I have found in my personal life is those things of the past begin to come back. And those programmings, you might say, of our life experiences, and they could be, they could be 25, 30 years ago, or as fresh as yesterday. Those things can be, can come back and begin to affect the way you view life, your fellow man, what love is, the ability to love, the ability to be loved. You don't think you're complex? Have you ever just sat down and said, man, I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) Well, that gives you a pretty good idea. It tells you that you're a complex being. Now, what is great in the book of Isaiah, it says, That he's our wonderful counselor. I like that. A counselor that's on 24 hours a day for your enjoyment. And your education. And your conviction. And the Bible not only says he's our counselor, but he also says that he's our high priest. And it also says he's a father. And the Bible also says he's a king. And he also says he's a brother. You see, in Christ, Luke tells us, in him we live, move, exist, and have our being. In him. So when I'm in Christ, when you are in Christ, we are a new creature. When we step out of Christ, these things of our past begin to grab our thought patterns again. Well, I used to do this. I guess I can go back and do it again. It didn't work the first time I did it. Maybe it'll be different this time. Duh, no, it doesn't. It'll take you right back to the pit, right where you were before. You cannot do the same things you did in your past, expecting a different result in the future. But in Christ, the Bible says you're a new creature. And being a new creature in Christ changes the way you perceive life. Changes what you feed upon to strengthen you to be that new creature. Well, it tells us here. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. You see, there's a change. And it's obvious to others. They realized they had been with Jesus. I just want to encourage you, hang out with Jesus. That's good. You say, well, how do you do that? Prayer? Serious. And when you pray, I want to encourage you something. I know there's a lot of stuff on our hearts and our minds and our thoughts. There just is. Oh, God, did you do that? Right, 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 right. But you know what? Sometimes in prayer, just be quiet and let God speak to you. You see, he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to me. But sometimes we're so chattery, we don't let him speak. And you know, the Bible tells us that it's in the still, small voice that we hear God's voice. Sometimes we want to see mountains tearing in two. And oh, yes, that's God's voice. We want to see angels standing on the hood of our cars going, turn this way. No, the way God works. God generally, the Bible says, speaks in that still, small voice and helps us collect so much of our life experiences in him. And then he, in his love, helps us sort these things out so they don't leave a mark, a scar in your life. You see, I'm grateful that God has a way of healing us. In fact... You know, that's what communion is all about. A lot of people don't understand that. 
you know, they have the cup and they go, oh, yes, Jesus died for my sins and the bread and uh, bread's cool because you kind of eat bread and, and, and you know, and uh, juice together. That's good. But the bread is very important. <laughs> Peter says his body was broken so we could be healed. Now you think about that for a minute. What needs to be healed in your life tonight? Boy, you think about that. That's scary. <laughs> a lot of things. Your heart, your ability to love, to be loved. Memories, healings, dreams, thoughts. No, we're we're complex. And if you don't have God in your life tonight to help you sort this crazy world's effect on you out, no wonder people get stoned. No wonder they get loaded. No wonder they get drunk. It's too overwhelming. But you see, God in his love helps us sort this out. You see, they had recognized, these religious leaders recognized something supernatural about Peter and John. They had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They're speechless. The proof's in the pudding. They were standing there, here's the guy, and, well, this creates a problem for him. And it tells us in verse 15, And when they had commanded them to go aside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these guys? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, and it's evident to all those that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. My question is, why would you want to? See, it shows you how dark a heart can really get. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. I think it's funny they didn't say Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says, even in the name of Jesus, the the demons troubled. You know, I mean, (laughs) so you could just see him doing this. Um, And so we threaten so that no man will speak anymore in (laughs) this name. They don't want to say Jesus. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge or you decide. For we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. This was their testimony, friends. And by the way, you've got one too. We all have one. You know what God has done in your life. You know what God's done in your life. And by the way, no one can refute that. Because you knew what you were before Christ, and you know what you are after Christ. And yes, maybe not everything in your life is the way you think it should be as a Christian right now tonight. But I guarantee you, God's begun his work in you, and the Bible says he's going to see you through. I've talked to people, and they say, well, my life's not right yet. I accept the Lord. How long you lived? Well, I'm 40, and how long you've been a Christian? Two weeks. So you wrecked your life for 40 years. You're giving God two weeks to clean it up. That's really good. But the Bible says he's begun his work. And he's going to see it through. And realizing that God's plan in his restorative process 
is that he puts you and me on display in what God is fixing. Isn't that good to know? So God isn't just healing you, but he's healing, restoring, and blessing you, and you're a showpiece to everybody else that demonstrates the power of God. I like that. That's good. So in other words, God gets the most mileage out of restoring us in this world as possible. I like that. Well, we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way of punishing them because the people, and they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. I believe it puts that in there to let everybody know that this guy had been a cripple for a long time. He he was well known. I mean, if you're faking it, you can fake it for a while, but for 40 years, I don't think so. And the Bible says it had such an impact that they were really, literally fearful of what all the people would say because they knew this notable miracle had been done. How do you refute the guy standing here who used to be lame begging money out in front of the, the temple, selling pencils or something? God did a work. Never be fearful of what people say. You do what God has inspired you to do. And you're going to be the winner. Because God has inspired us to be his children. Remember this. Whenever you do something for the kingdom of heaven, it's going to cause a reaction. Now you think about that for a minute. Whenever you do something for God, there's going to be a reaction. Some will applaud it. Certainly the man that was healed did. Certainly the 5,000 that we found in the first part of the chapter mentioned, they did. But something to remember, there's always going to be the other side. You see, the enemy wants to stop what God endeavors to do in your and my life. The truth is, you keep doing for Jesus. The boldness of God in a believer's life, I believe, is the most powerful thing in the world. So let your light shine. Don't let anybody try to snuff it out, as the old song goes. But let God bless you, because he's going to, if you're in him. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your word. And Lord, that we know that when you fill us with the power of your spirit, there is nothing impossible. Father, in this room tonight, those listening by radio, there's an army. And Father, may we be about your business. May you help us. May you give us that power from your spirit. We cannot manufacture it in ourselves. But you can put it in us. And so, Father, open doors of opportunity. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, 
You can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.